What's going on, family? This is your host, Brother Technico, coming at you with another episode. And there's some things I just, just have to talk about because this has just been coming up so much more. I don't know if it's because of COVID. I actually doubt because of COVID. I think it's just, you know, more noticeable now because people are more home because of COVID. But people have been uh, commenting on my old posts. Uh, I've been having discussions with different people and it all kind of revolves around some of the same things. And then also I'm starting to see more and more information uh, a lot more black people trying to clarify certain aspects of uh, slavery, which I think is good. The issue, and I'm going to get more into that, is that it's kind of like how, you know, sometimes we have good intentions in what we do, but when we come in there with, uh, with not enough information or a full enough perspective, we can end up doing more harm than good. Uh, and what I'm talking about is, is uh, this, this belief, and this is not a novel one, but I've been hearing a lot more lately that you know, especially those who um, who have degrees or academics who make the point that, yeah, okay, blacks were in slavery, but everybody was in slavery. And while there may be some valid points to be made there, I certainly wouldn't um, lump in all people's versions of servitude and call them the same thing. Uh, as, as we study what different people were doing, we can definitely ascertain that. Um, not all people, not all forms of servitude were even on the same level. They happened on different reasons. Uh, you know, certain things that you can do in Europe, for example, uh, to a slave, you could not do in Africa. You could not uh, change the name or uh, deny any person who was uh, considered a slave or even their children an education uh, in Africa. But more on that. You know, uh, I feel the need to uh, to probably do a presentation on this, so it'll take a little extra time to go to look into that. But uh, just right off the dome, right off the rip, uh, let me let me talk about something else though, and I'm just gonna bring up another another small thing that I want the uh, the family to look into because this happens quite a bit. And the most annoying thing that comes up when people talk about our our servitude is. They talk about, oh, well, blacks sold other blacks into slavery. That's like the number one thing. And it, and it said so much that, you know, colloquially, it's believed that, you know, the Africans on the continent 
are the ones most responsible for our uh, servitude. So they speak nothing to the kidnappings that occurred, right? They speak nothing of the uh, uh, of the obvious intent of the European to come do something very, very negative. Uh, we also don't talk about uh, what happened um, when these Africans kind of find out what these uh, Europeans are really up to. We don't talk about what the conversations were. You know, it's it's so often we believe when the European came to Africa, they were looking for slaves. This this is not the case. This is not the case. They were looking for resources. They were looking for uh, uh, navigators, different things of that nature. Uh, they were not uh, looking for slaves initially. The need for slaves came, and uh, based on my research, came somewhat after. Um, Columbus's first voyage where he actually brings back 300 uh, Native Americans uh, back to Spain and these are your first slaves. So the first slaves that were um, uh, victims of transatlantic slavery were not Africans in fact, they were uh, the Native folks and when we get into the, the slaughter and the chaos that befell those people, that was like a um, a, a preview as well, what was going to happen to Africa um, some hundred years later. But, um, you know, there's a lot of, lot of mythology uh, as far as that. Now, that's not saying that there weren't black collaborators. And, you know, I feel that these, these black collaborators, and I'm, I'm not necessarily agreeing with what they're doing, but we have to understand the perspective of some of these folks. Um, and not all of these situations were the same. Um, Part of the reason why slavery took so long to take on, and it took so long for them to even get to an 1886 Berlin Conference, is because of the sheer size and the sheer, um, uh, what, what would you want to, uh, what, what's the right word? Um, the variety, you know what I'm saying with this, the, the variety of different people, you know, different types of people and how they were separated. So you had some people who collaborated in the slave trade based on their religion. You know, and while we do talk about, oh, the black Muslims and how they did this, but we, uh, what we don't talk about in conjunction is the fact that Arab Islam, uh, since the 8th century, most scholars would say 8th century. Some scholars would go a bit further. I would go a bit further and some would even go into uh, about 6th century uh, current era. Um, but they, you know, they've always kind of had this system, but it definitely took off during the ninth century. So they had a system of slavery, of servitude. Um, it, it was even in the Quran that, you know what I'm saying, that you could have slaves. They just could not be a Muslim. But we, we see in history that this necessarily wasn't, a uh, wasn't necessarily followed. You look at the Abbasids, you look at the later Umayyads, you look at the uh, Seljuks, Mamluks and all that, you know, that... That really wasn't kept, but you see, you had an agreement that only, you know what I'm saying, if you're a Muslim, you're fine. It's kind of like a warped perspective of that uh, Hebraic uh, chosen people, you know what I'm saying? Um, but they, they, they have allowed it, they, there was double castration, all these sorts of things. But when we talk about black Muslims, African Muslims, although most of the time they kind of did their own thing. Uh, they were aligned to a different force. They kind of accepted this identity as, and it shouldn't be too hard to believe, a lot of us accept this identity as Christian. Now, we do know, most of us do know that there are racial lines, that race matters, but uh, there's a lot of people who would identify as Christian first. 
you know what I'm saying, you would identify based on faith. We know there's a bunch of uh, people of the Hebrew faith, you know what I'm saying, and not just Jews. And the reason I say not just Jews is because Jews is supposed to be a specific tribe. You got 12 tribes, and they're supposed to be coming from the tribe of Judah. So, you know, but different Hebrews around the world, you see that they will identify like that. And particularly, like we uh, so, so commonly speak about, uh, the Jews or those who are supposed to be from the tribe of Judah, they will identify themselves as such. You know what I'm saying? Based on their belief. Um, so that shouldn't be too hard to see, you know, Africans begin to do this. It's, uh, uh, in fact, you would start to have certain uh, Muslim African empires from the north uh, come and do battle and have wars with um, African societies that had more traditional systems. Uh, even Mali would have to succumb to this. And I believe that they accept Islam uh, through treaty, you know, through politics. Um, so it was still, but at the same time, that's how it kind of infiltrated. And when you have a system, so when you come in there, first of all, let me even go back a little bit further. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of interest from Islam and not just from the Africans. It's just they want to get into the gold coast. They want to get into the gold. You start seeing them uh, start to build uh, little cities and whatnot. You know what I'm saying? Like Autogost and all these sorts of things outside of these places because they want to be close to the, uh, the routes, the trade routes to get to the, to the gold. You know what I'm saying? So definitely still a very resource driven thing. I don't I don't think there's any sort of battles or any campaigns that are waged because they don't. You see what I'm saying? Um, you know, it's usually when someone invades or fights someone else uh, for something it's because they want something it's because they need something. You know what I'm saying? You never really see a country uh, that is doing better than another country or doesn't need something from another country going and invade it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and there's a lot of people who may look at the United States and say, well, that's not true. Those who may be familiar with uh, some of the other campaigns that they do. But uh, let me remind you that all of these things are resource based. You know, when they go into the Middle East, when they chose uh, to ignore uh, Saudi Arabia and go after Saddam Hussein, because when we, Iran, Iraq, they may sound similar, but these are not the same places. So when they know that one is committing a crime, and, but they choose to invade the other. We know that there's interior motives. We know their motives for, uh, for how they're dealing with uh, Venezuela. We know, uh, we know why they're dealing with um, Cuba a certain way. You know what I'm saying? It's all because of money, politics. You know what I'm saying? They wanted Guantanamo Bay. They didn't want to lose that. Lost that to Fidel Castro. So there's always some sorts of, how would you say, uh, politics involved. So we have to understand, you know, I have to understand that. And we have to get out of this mindset that just because, you know, people uh, can go to war with one another, um, that doesn't necessarily mean it's black on black. Like, you know, because that's another thing. And I was actually told to be this rising. You know what I'm saying? That, you know, black on black crime started way before. So would you, call, would you consider the wars that occurred in Europe? Um, you know what I'm saying? The Castiles and all these other different folks. Would you consider those wars um, white on white crime? Would you consider that seven year European war where they're trying to uh, fight over who's gonna basically control most of the world? Would you call that white on white violence? Would you call the violence that have, would you call the, uh, <laughs> the Mongolians, you know, fighting with the other different uh, groups where they're from, 
would you call that Asian on Asian violence? No, I, I think that we need to um, take a step back and reassess and reanalyze how we how we look at things. You know what I'm saying? Though that's not that's not even close. These are what you call crime on proximity. This whole black on black violence is, is, is just a ruse. It's just something that they came up with. And they've been coming up with this stuff for a long time, blanqueamiento through the, through, through, through the centuries, you know what I'm saying, to come up with ways to make us hate each other, you know what I'm saying? He may be your color, but they ain't your kind. That's not something that we've ever come up with, you know what I'm saying? That's something that we would even uh, think about. That sort of belief comes from xenophobic people, you know what I'm saying, not uh, the historically xenophilic people that we are. So those are, those are just some of the things uh, that need to be need to be addressed what else um most billionaires are in africa well the the interesting thing and this is why i brought up the judaron and the judaron were uh were little councils jewish councils that were set up by nazi germany to oversee the ghettos to make sure that their policies and everything stayed in place and these people were very well paid they were very well paid to keep their own people um oppressed now you know, we may be looking at this, oh, this, but this was over country to country with Jews. This, this also went into Poland and some of the places that Nazi Germany conquered. Um, but what is very interesting is that you will never hear people look, take a look at that episode and, say, you know, that episode in history and say, because these Jews made a whole bunch of money and their families were able to live very, very well, that the Jewish people in entirety benefited uh, from that experience, and I would say the same thing for us. When you look at it, um, you cannot say that Africa benefited. Africa did not acquire anything; lost more because of those deals. And many of those people, let's go to the fort of Almina, where a king was overthrown for them to build that. You know what I'm saying? So you're talking about kings and certain people who would not acquiesce, who would politically or in some way or another be removed. This is this is history. This hasn't just happened to us. This happens to a lot of folks. You know what I'm saying? This is how takeovers happen. Um, people still doing it. For people who have not read Confessions of an Economic Hitman, they put people in power all the time. You know what I'm saying? This is what happens when we politically support one person over another and they call the other person a dictator and all this other kind of stuff. It's just politics. But these sorts of things happen all the time. You know what I'm saying? But I would not say that the people as a whole benefited from these tyrants or from these people who were weak enough to be uh, beguiled and led astray by uh, people who had bad intentions. Okay, but back into that point, um, you know, the billionaire thing, uh, the, well, Africa has most of the world's wealth. It's probably the largest continent filled with resources. I wouldn't say that it's larger than Eurasia, but it's certainly larger than the habitat, the habitated places of uh, Eurasia. You know what I'm saying? Now, that's when you're looking at a Peter's projection, Matt, not the 1542 Makeda projection that warps the, the size and shape for the, for the sake of the explorers and for the, the psychology of those people, right? So, yeah, naturally, um, when you have people like Benny Steinmeis and, all, and so on and so forth, owning most of those resources, the way that these outsiders tend to uh, maintain control of resources is by using people from the inside. You know what I'm saying? It's a process that, that happened during colonialization. You know, things that we tend to, uh, to forget. But, you know, how does Africa look like as a whole? First of all, we don't even speak to the fact that most of the countries that we see today were not there before 1886. 
that these countries were split apart to cripple, to further cripple it politically. You know what I'm saying? Let's look at this in terms of value. How does a small, now a small country, wasn't a country uh, just a few centuries ago, like Togo, ever hope to compete with a, with a mega giant like China? And another interesting thing about China is that China wasn't China until they started getting messed with by other people. These are different provinces, different groups. You have different languages, and these people came together. It's, more, it's very similar to the UK, just more close-knit. And if we're looking at how they're starting to do business, let's look at Tencent, which is a Korean country. For those who do not understand the history, um, particularly on the scholarship, a lot of you know, Chinese history comes from Korea. You know what I'm saying? A lot of what is Japanese history come from China. You know what I'm saying? These were, at one point, you could argue were the same people to a certain degree. Most of the kanji at a certain basic level are the same. You know what I'm saying? This is no different than when you look like when you, uh, when you see the African continent. But the difference is, um, as much as the Europeans did go in there, they only was able to uh, control major cities. They were never able to fully invade and really occupy uh, China the same way that they have with, uh, with Africa. And, and mind you, it took them centuries to do so. When you think about the advent of the Portuguese coming in the mid-1400s, right, you're talking about, <laughs> that's at least 50 years, yeah, it's about uh, 50, uh, 40, 50 years before you even hear about a Columbus doing anything. Fort Almina wasn't built until, uh, built until 1482. Portuguese have been building trading posts long before then, and that's just not me saying that. You can go into the text of Sir Eric James Johnston. He will say the same thing, okay? So, that's just one of those things that need to be understood, all right? Uh, what's, an, what's another one? Yeah, so that's just how I deal with that whole black billionaire conversation. You, you can find no place in Africa that benefited. When we talk about a continent or people, you know, we have to look at the people. We don't look at individuals. That's a very Western thing, you know what I'm saying, to look at it as far as the individuals. I, I guarantee you uh, that, <laughs> you know, no matter how many Irish were at the time, oppressing other Irish people in this country, that that did anything to help or aid the Irish people. I don't care how many Irish overseers you had looking over other Irish folks. It didn't do anything to help those Irish people, even if they fatted their pockets. You got a lot of wealthy Irish in this country. It didn't do anything for Ireland, okay? And that's the point that needs to be made, you know, when you're saying that, no, Africa didn't know a few selfish individuals and it's much easier to taint a few selfish individuals than it is a whole lot. Let's get into more into the, because uh, uh, this was brought up today about uh, King and Gaboon and slave, uh, selling slaves. And I want to bring up, first of all, the difference uh, in terms of servitude, at least between these two uh, different peoples. Uh, number one, uh, when we're talking about servitude in Africa, you're talking about a solution to A, uh, refugees and B, prisoners of war. You know what I'm saying? Or even see people who have committed crimes. We didn't have jails. Uh, you'd have to do something really, really egregious, like harming a child or something of that nature uh, to get the death penalty in most African countries. You know, it had to be something really, really uh, serious. But you would be dealing with people, right, who would um, basically, like, for example, if you're a prisoner of war, if we're warring, you know what I'm saying? And I capture one of your prisoners. You know what I'm saying? Uh, the human thing to do 
it wouldn't be to torture you, you know what I'm saying, humiliate you or anything like that. You're already defeated, but I can't allow you to go back and return um, to the enemy uh, so they'll be stronger. No, the more people that they have fighting with them makes them stronger. So what would oftentimes happen, and this had happened through all through ancient times, particularly in Africa, came in all, all throughout, you know what I'm saying, that once you were captured, you would, you, you would work. You know what I mean? And, that's that, and that would be your service. You know what I'm saying? And it wasn't like you were just working for the sake of working. Yeah, you were working for your food. You were, earn, you were earning your place. We're talking about the same types of societies to where uh, if, the, if the leader or the king or someone very wealthy in the community wanted to buy a home, everybody would chip in to, to help build the home, even the wealthy man. The children would do the jobs that children could do. The adult, the teenager would do the jobs that teenagers could do, and the adults would do their jobs. You know what I'm saying? And at the end of it, everybody would be paid, whether you were a, a, a recognized as a citizen of that particular country or if you were in servitude. In fact, you, wouldn't, you weren't allowed to beat uh, your slaves or people who were servitude. They had rights. Uh, you couldn't deny them education. You couldn't change their name. You couldn't, you couldn't make them change their language. You couldn't breed them. You couldn't rape them. If you go into uh, Gustavus Vasa's Oluluda uh, uh, Equiano, you know what I'm saying? The life, and he wrote many books, but this is his autobiography. He talks about it. He talks about his experience being a slave in Africa and the difference after he was kidnapped. Mind you, kidnapped, not sold, kidnapped. You know what I'm saying? Um, and brought over and you actually have a lot of uh, autobiographies there's another one uh, it's like African Prince which is a it's a it's a bit older it even uses some old English uh, in the text um, even I believe he was uh, he was captured you know what I'm saying it's a very very interesting thing very very interesting thing uh, another thing when African countries would typically you know quote unquote sell these slaves they weren't selling slaves into um, this sort of, you know, that, 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 that bondage that I was talking about. Nine times out of ten, especially if you're a prisoner of war, you had some sort of skill. You were a carpenter. Like, what were you before you went to war? If you were a refugee, what were you doing before then? If you're coming into our land, you know what I'm saying, and we're in a, and we're in a sort of uh, ecology to where everybody eats, everyone gets fed, well, you have to pull your own weight. Sure, I can accept you, but if I accept you, you know, what are you going to do to where we're not harmed? You know what I'm saying? We see this. This is this is just a law. This is a law of nature. You know what I'm saying? If I'm going to take in more people, I'm going to have to be able to take care of them. You're going to have to be able to pull your own weight and it would never be permanent. In fact, another thing that we need to talk about is that slavery over in this continent, when it first started, not in it, but when it first started, uh, particularly even before Bacon's Rebellion, it was not permanent. There were some years now. Was, was there uh, Tom Hu or Bakra that would not or Europeans rather? who would not be very, uh, who would not honor this? Absolutely. You saw some of the most brutal treatment, even as early as the 15 and 1600s. You saw some really, really brutal treatment, but you know, this is, that's what these folks just came from. Uh, not to excuse it, but this is, this is what it was. So, you know, but they were, and again, they weren't just enslaving um, blacks, they were enslaving natives, they were enslaving other Europeans, other Europeans were slaves. You know what I'm saying? And had been slaves. They came out of a system, a feudalistic system, where uh, just in the Crusades, they had just lost, uh, and I'm talking about the lords, they had just lost their right of first night to impose upon the people of their land. If you don't understand anything about feudalism, who uh, the, the lord uh, owns the land, and the people who live on the land have to serve him. You know what I'm saying? That's why they call him the lord. And a lot of them were entitled, if you were going to get married, that lord would have the right to have sex with your wife first.
Okay. And I always bring this up because this should, this very very uh, clearly elucidates the kind of people that uh, that you know that they was dealing with that we were dealing with. We were not equipped to deal with these people. Maybe some of the Muslims people who had been out in Al Andalusia were more prepared, but we were not. Um, but with that being said, this is you know that's kind of what you know kind of what happened. What what tends uh, what tends to happen is that or what happened is that the Africans. Um, were better suited to work the land. You have to understand that when North America was quote unquote discovered, or when the uh, Europeans came here, there was a lot more trees, a lot more trees. It's hard to kind of produce that really big agriculture without, um, you know, with all those trees. You know, the same type of plains. You talk about uh, many of the West Africans kind of came from a, a ecology that was similar to that. So after they chopped down and remove all the trees, which they had Africans, you know, a lot of Africans do. They needed people to work the land. The natives were not familiar with this sort of ecology. So what was happening is that the Africans would have to show the natives and the Europeans how to work this land. And it just kind of got to a point where Europeans were like, well, screw that. Let me just keep getting these Africans because these are the ones that are skilled enough to do so. So this would even defeat most of those rumors that we were backwards and knew nothing because we were we had skills. But, you know, we, we could talk about... Uh, uh, San Kori and Jenne and, uh, and Timbuktu, where they found out that the math and a lot of the things that was being taught there was, you know, an equivalent to some of the highest uh, mathematics being taught to France today. Um, you know, but again, a lot of the things that we hear, a lot of this information that even comes out that even makes certain brothers say things like, uh, you know, slavery happened to everybody. It's not significant. No, it is significant because none of this stuff happened to, you know, to everyone else. Everyone else who've had a, a form of slavery uh, didn't have to deal with the dehumanization, did not have to deal with the breeding, did not have to deal with just the just the constant threat of violence in the most inhumane ways. Who like show me who else has been used as bait for other animals? Show me who else uh, who, is, who has been forced to, to mate with other members of their family and other strangers and different things like that. Put a brown bag over your head sometimes to go do so. You know what I'm saying? How many people were subjected to the type of, you know, you would probably have to go back to, to the Assyrians or somebody really, really barbaric and ancient. You know what I'm saying? To, uh, to kind of find that. Oh, what else? What else? What else? What else? Because I want to make sure... You know, I covered the, the basic things before and doing some of this other stuff. So let me just give you uh, the Britannica, short, you know, shortened version of the Britannica uh, definition of Deuteron, um, just so we're clear on what that is. Um, Jewish councils established in German-occupied Poland and Eastern Europe during World War II to implement German politics and maintain order in the ghettos to which the Nazis combined the country's Jewish population. Okay, just so we're, we're clear on even what Britannica has to say about this. You've never heard about this. You would never even hear, like, but that's another thing. You, you never heard anything about the, uh, the Jews who first killed the Swarthy Jews. This is, this is around the time of fire and ice uh, was becoming a thing. And a lot of people haven't heard about fire and, uh, fire and ice um, because they're not familiar with the inception of Nazi Germany and that whole rhetoric. You know, a lot of the times it's just passed on to Hitler. And Hitler was—he did what he did. I'm not not trying to, you know, uh, exonerate him for any of the deeds that he did. But he was not the progenitor of such a movement. And that's something that needs to be recognized. That he was just simply the figurehead. There are other people who were feeling this way before, and and most likely scorned by the fact that the Jewish people up until that point were the principal slave traders. And when you get into the fact 
that the Slavic, the word slave, first of all, comes from the word Slavic. That's how many Slavics, Slavs they were selling. It, they became interchangeable. Okay, so that's number one. When you get into the fact that it's the Jews, the Franks, and the Muslims getting into this trade as early as 789 current era, now you start to see, you know, it's very easy for people to, be, uh, to get bitter, to feel bitter. And Europeans, especially if you were a Catholic or Christian, uh, there wasn't, um, you know what I'm saying, at that particular time, uh, you felt some sort of, uh, some sort of way towards the uh, Jewish folks. Um, because not only were they present and, and a part of the betrayal when the uh, Visigoths, Ostrogoths, we're talking about, um, what's his name, King Roderick and all those people are, uh, are kicked out of uh, Europe very quickly too. For, um, you know, they were part of that, you know. Uh, also, uh, because they were not Catholics or Christians, they were afforded certain benefits that because the Muslims and Christians were always seeming to have uh, certain conflicts, even though the one redeeming thing I could say about the uh, uh, Arab Islamic uh, hegemony is that they allowed everybody to persecute you know, themselves at their own court. Now, that may have you know, led to their detriment, but you know, nonetheless, that's something that's good. Uh, let's get into the inception of the uh, what we know as the, the European Jews or the Khazars. You know what I'm saying? We don't speak enough about them. We don't speak enough about their conversion. Yes, we know that very early on uh, they had certain conflicts with, uh, with Muslims, and then that kind of goes away. And when we look very closely at the Khazar conversion, I believe it comes at a time where, you know, uh, you don't want to side with these outsiders. You don't want to become Muslim and adopt all these things. Uh, but you certainly can't choose to be, um, you know, a Catholic or Christian, people who are having constant spats and, and disagreements uh, with these folks. So they, they chose the middle ground. You know what I'm saying? They got in literally where they fit in. You know what I'm saying? Um, so that's just, you know, those are things. And you can look that up in 13th Tribe, Arthur Kessler. You know, a lot of this stuff that I talk about can be verified. You know what I'm saying? With actual sources. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, I didn't even uh, quite touch on that 50,000 people a day thing. Yeah, first of all, when you look at how big the damn continent is, and this is, this is a low-hanging low fruit. This is not really a, the biggest point, but let me get into that. But basically, there's so many people, 50,000 a day, in the, in the same type of uh, servitude system that I described to you, it's not really a huge thing. Um, you know, what they often don't talk about is when African countries went away from that, like the Madame Tinubu, who, who came up in a Muslim, African Muslim society that has slavery all in it. And at another point, she starts to fight strongly against it. You know what I'm saying? You start strongly fighting against the system that you, that you were born into, that you find out is actually wrong. Let's look at Queen Nzinga. You know what I'm saying? From Angola. This is where a capoeira comes from. So that same capoeira, and a lot of people like to argue about that, but this is, this is common knowledge now for all you slowpokes. But, you know, the capoeira that was, that was uh, prominent and very seminal, I believe, in the Haitian Revolution comes from Angola itself. You know what I'm saying? So you're dealing with highly militaristic people and people who clearly fought. Why do we not talk about the Dahomey women fighting the French? Why have we not talked about the fact that the Menelik family never falls to Italy? Though, although... We can, we, and I, I, you know, I'm not even going to get into that. There's, there's a lot of history to be uh, discussed when, when we come to that. But there's a lot of things that aren't talked about. We don't talk about uh, the genocide of Leopold. And we also don't talk about the German genocide of the Herero people, where they first people who did not want to mate with them 
uh, into the desert without any food and water. Let me bring into you into why, and, and this is why I don't let these people off the hook, because they like to give you these little tip, these little small points. You know what I'm saying? They like to highlight the negative things. They like to highlight the Judaism within our community, but never talk about the deeds. How dare somebody talk about what the Judaism did wrong? When you had people literally gassing folks, like they weren't the ones building the gas chambers, they weren't the one who put that ideology together. You know what I'm saying? Out of all those people who were Judaism, that was the minority of the group that was being oppressed. So nobody in their right mind would ever, 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 ever accuse them of the same things that they accuse us of, even though we went through far worse than they ever did. They just their their trauma is just more recent, according to them. Because no, because no one accepts the fact that slavery still continued in many states in the South even after the fact, and that they had black codes, and then and then black codes came before the sharecropping. It's so too often I hear about sharecropping. No, I'm talking about black codes. See, black codes was the the the, the legalization, the litigation aspect. You know what I'm saying? Putting it into writing. Uh, the sharecropping kind of came as a way, okay, we're not able to do this or enforce this legally, but we're able to pressure you because we own the land. See, it all came back to the fact that they own the land, and I think that's why the, it, it's hard for people to see one over the other. But see, these are things that we don't talk about. We don't talk about the deception. We don't talk about the coups. We don't talk about the revolts. We don't talk about the wars. And as much as I'd love to talk about the 250 uh, slave revolts in North recorded, that don't even mean that's all they had. This is a recorder. You look at Dr. Hubert Apdecker. That doesn't even compare to the amount of revolts that was happening on the motherland. We don't even talk about it. As much as I brought up the Portuguese, these people got pushed out into, uh, into East Africa. So how does backward people, waiting for the European to save them, push them uh, into the East and force them into a deal with who should be their enemies, the Arabs, for Fort Jesus? You see, there's a whole lot of things people don't know about. We don't know much about Cabildos. You know what I'm saying? I'm talking about when the Africans were brought over here that they would literally uh, split them up, give them the new uh, conqueror's language, and basically tell them they were different people and tell them bad things about those other folks. We don't talk about that. You know what I'm saying? We don't talk about the people who were... When you look at the name, what is Amistad? Amistad means friendship. Amistad means friendship. If I'm a slave driver... Why do I come with the thing slave ship? And if, and if we were friends and you knew I was a slave driver, why did you kill me when I come back to port if we were already doing business as usual? You see what I'm saying? See, these are the questions. See, you, if, if people were so willing to just give up African folks, just give them up into these situations, you'd never have to steal them. You'd never have to come in deceit. You'd never have to come in and, and, and try to get people to convert to your religion first. You know what I'm saying? A religion, that your religion that, that actually um, tells you how to deal with slaves. See, this is why it wasn't such a hard thing for Muslim Africans, because after they've been accultured uh, by a culture that has allowed them to have so even though Islam lets you beat your wife, you just can't beat her too hard. Okay, but this is Western Asian philosophical stuff that uh, you, you can't avoid coming you know, with any doctrine coming out of that, uh, that region. But you know what I'm saying? It, it makes more sense. See, but we're not willing to look at it that way. But we'll look at it that way for other folks. You know what I'm saying? We'll look at it that way for other folks. Uh, no one will deny um, that women, well, some people will. <laughs> I, I, let, me, let me take that back. But most people these days won't deny uh, that, particularly in Western society, and I have to be very specific here about Western society because 
Um, we find very, like in the annals of Haiti, we find that certain queens had power that European women never had. We find that also in Africa. You've never seen, show me where Queen Elizabeth was waging war and, and, and doing these same type of politics and dealing with these men in the same manner that some of these other folks were. You know what I'm saying? Even in Asia, you see, you, we seem to have respectable uh, women that are like highly respected. Um, but yeah, you, you just, you just don't, yeah, you just don't see that. Um, yeah, I kind of lost my, kind of lost my thought, because you know how I go, you know how I get family, that's why. But I had to, I had to talk about this a little bit, um, how to give some points, how to drop a, drop a little knowledge, drop a little knowledge, but you know, no, no, let me, let me finish that point. So basically, you know, nobody would deny, you know, the things that they've gone through, you know what I'm saying? And no one would also deny that women within society can also help aid in the oppression of other women just by, you know, and, and but that's historical though. Let's go into, like, let's go into history. Let's go into Sumer. Let's go into some of their laws. One of the laws that you see that I feel that Jewish people definitely came from these folks is that if a woman was caught, see, when a man is caught cheating, the penalties are said to be about the same, but the man could most likely get away with it. This is acknowledged by most folks, even, even in criminal justice and being taught in most of these schools, they accept this you know what I'm saying? Um, but with the women, uh, the women uh, would oftentimes would even would stone the other woman before she would even get there to, uh, to, to see her accuser or to even deal with it. You know what I'm saying? Just uh, but you see the, the behavior, uh, you know what I'm saying, of getting uh, people to oppress themselves. And I've always and it's always been my position that women were the first forces to ever be oppressed. I think the historical record would show that. I think when we look at the historical record, especially from the perspective of an Albert Church Ward and the signs and symbols of primordial man, we'll see that women were the leaders of, of most societies at a, at a certain point. And I don't see any reason for this not to be so. That doesn't mean that the man didn't have a proper positioning. But let's look at the meerkat family. Let's look at the hyena family. You know what I'm saying? Even let's look at the lions who are, you know, who definitely have a dominant male, but who, who does most of hunting? And it's the dominant female that has a lot of sway over a lot of what's going on, especially when it comes to food and having, and having babies. You know what I'm saying? You look at the meerkat family, you know, the male is in charge of a lot, but it's the woman who leads uh, the group out to go eat, to go foraging. It is the woman who decides when they're going to move. You know what I'm saying? Now, the male does have some of this power. If he, if he senses something, you know, they respect. Uh, but it's, it's usually the woman who makes these calls. So I believe that early societies just paid attention to nature. You know what I'm saying? And as you move further away from certain uh, areas and people are starting to emulate different things, when we look at wolves as compared to hyenas, wolves, uh, though they have dominant females, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're dominated by the males. You know what I'm saying? The males have a whole uh, have a whole lot to say within that particular uh, community. You know, but I just say all that to say, you know, when you're looking at people like that, that that come from the wolf, and this is how this is how the European, this is how Rome describes their uh their origin, because they don't talk anything about them. You know, dealing with the Etruscans, they don't talk about anything about them being nomads. They talk about uh, Romulus and Reem and a she wolf. You know what I'm saying? So you can already see within the context of that what kind of ideology, what kind of, what kind of creature that they model themselves after. So then it makes complete sense when you get into the rape of the Sabine women or you get into the, uh, the need for uh, uh, anal sex as a form of dominance because this is what a lot of canines display. 
You know what I'm saying? And this is how they uh, maintain control and let you know who's dominant within their communities. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but again, uh, I <laughs> let me digress because I went on another tangent. But going back to the women point, you know, women uh, at one point, you can even see that in Asia. That's That's been documented. That they used to, a uh, virago used to mean something very, very, very good. Uh, after a while, Western society takes over and, you know, a woman who is uh, aggressive or assertive is seen as a bad thing. Women are supposed to be submissive in this society. You know what I'm saying? In Western society. But who sets that? Who sets that precedent? You know what I'm saying? Let's look at, let's take that a step further and juxtapose that to black people. Black people are supposed to be ignorant in this society. They're supposed to be stupid. They're supposed to be all the bottom things here. You know what I'm saying? So when you see one that's doing that, I think it's only natural for uh, the people within this society to lash out at them. And when you see people that we call haters, you're seeing people who either uh, externally or internally know maybe both uh, what kind of situation that they're in. And they see, you know, they see it as a threat. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't matter who they are. You know what I'm saying? It stands out. You're not supposed to do that. I can even go back to class. You know what I'm saying? Me going to school. Um, I knew a lot of black kids who were allowed to be class clowns, who were allowed to be this, this character. You know what I'm saying? With very, very little repercussions. You know what I'm saying? I got more re- uh, repercussions. You know what I'm saying? But I wasn't the person who was going to put his jersey backwards. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't the person who was going to say some, you know, just blurt out something silly in class. I wasn't raised like that, and that's not what we do. You know what I'm saying? When I was in a community full of my own people, that's not how we behave. Yeah, you're sure you're going to have people who, who act silly. We have that everywhere. You go to school all across the country, across the world, you're going to find people who act silly. Uh, but when that sort of behavior is attributed to a certain race or a group of people, that, you know, therein lies the issue. And uh, I feel like a lot of that, why I'm talking about it, is that a lot of that goes into how, you know, not only how other people uh, look at our history, but how we ourselves look at our history. And some of this is based on the knowledge that we know. If you don't know some of this stuff, then you can't even begin to formulate uh, some of these things. You can only go with it the way that you, that you can. Uh, and I say the same thing for some of these other folks. You know, a lot of these other folks aren't privy to some of this information. They don't have no, there's no impetus for them to even get into that information. What is their impetus? What is the motivation for you to get into that information? And it's not something that, like, that affects you. You know what I'm saying? If the whole world don't look at you a certain way because of some things that was done by some, uh, some previous people, then why would you bother? See, what a lot of people don't know is that while they don't want to pay, pay for the, uh, the crimes that their ancestors did, we pay for those crimes every single day. You know what I'm saying? Every single day. And what oftentimes happens when we speak out about it, when we speak out against the force that oppresses us, people try to silence us. They say, shush, 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 don't say that. Go look at this, go look at that. When I can literally juxtapose and show everything that you were about to say about me, about you or your own folks. But it's, it's affecting the status quo. People do not like change. And it's not just with, with situations like this. We see this even with the economy. We even see this in video games. You know what I'm saying? The debates over certain video. Oh, you should do this. No, you should just shut up and take it because this is what, like, you know, that sort of behavior. Like, we, when we start to accept or maybe you start to realize that Rome uh, had, what was it, like 88, 90% of the population was were vassals, were slaves, basically. You know what I'm saying? Um, when we start to understand that, when we understand that feudalism is slavery, it just, it doesn't have the same dressing as the chattel slavery, then we'll start to, you know, to really, really make some moves, you know what I'm saying, um, but that's, you know, long, long time from now.
But just some of the things I want to bring up. Uh, where am I at? 42 minutes. Yeah, I didn't mean for it to be this long, family, but you know how this go. Uh, even when it's straight off the dome, you know, <laughs> technique will be flowing. So with that being said, peace, love, and light. Um, probably will do a, another one of these because I don't feel like I'm done with this topic. You know, I feel like I'm probably going to get some more responses, uh, especially to my uh, Instagram. And by the way, y'all, go to my Instagram, you know, like stuff, comment, do it all, do it all, share, share this podcast like crazy, like, come on, share, 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 put me out there, you know what I'm saying, because a lot of people who need to hear this, but, um, yeah, I think I'm definitely going to get some responses, because that's when you get responses, you don't get too many responses, you know, unless you say something just that's stupid, but most of the time, uh, when, when what you say is layered with a good amount of truth, and you know me, I'm, I'm definitely going to so- source a lot of what I say out, because you have to. Most people think you're crazy if you don't source what you say, or some of the things I say. So, I know I'm going to get some responses. Um, very eager to, uh, you know, to share that with the family, because I feel like moments like that are, are you know, are great teaching moments when I see someone, uh, you know, respond like that, because you know, these may be some beliefs that, you know, some of y'all might have or may have heard or don't know how to deal with her, don't know how to look at her, don't even know where to begin looking to find some of these answers. And that's what I feel like my role is. So again, peace, love and light. I love y'all all. Check out my Instagram if you haven't already at Technico. That's T-E-K-H-N-I-Q-O. You can also follow me on YouTube, which is Nisetneta Tech TV. You know what I'm saying? It's going to be changed to Nisu Tech uh, TV, but that's not here yet so that's n-e-u-s-t-t-e-k-h-t-v uh oh wait oh i messed that hold up hold on family so that is n-e-s-u-t-t-e-k-h-t-v at youtube so check that out later